Amen. Let's take our Bibles and open to the book of Philippians, chapter number 1. Philippians, chapter number 1. It has been a wonderful week this past week, and I am looking forward to a wonderful week this week as well, especially today. And uh, we're just excited about what the Lord's doing here. I mean, look around. Look around. I am so glad that I don't have to be alone. I am so glad, and I feel bad for Brother Pageant over there. He's got Matt Tyndall behind him. I'm sorry you had to look around. But uh, it's just good to know that we're not alone in this. It's glad, I'm just so glad to know, Brother Taylor, I'm so glad that you and your wife are, are back. It's good to see you. It's good to see Brother Clint and his wife back from both vacation and the emergency room, which is always a dangerous combination of things. But it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to be gathered together with each of you and commit ourselves together for the gospel. And I'd like to preach along those lines here this morning, a message entitled, Gospel Fellowship. Gospel Fellowship. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter number 1. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1, and I'll read down to verse number 8. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace, for God is my record. How greatly I long after you, after you all, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And now I'd like for you to look back with me at verse number 5. For your fellowship in the gospel. Father, I pray that you would help us now. Lord, I ask that you would draw us near unto your word. And Father, that you would empty me of myself. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, I ask that you would do the work that you desire to do here this morning. Lord, block out all distractions, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. With all the work that the Apostle Paul has done as a missionary for the Lord Jesus Christ... Oftentimes we see these rich doctrinal treaties like we do in the book of Romans. We see his discussion of the finer matters of, of salvation. We see the same in Ephesians and in Colossians. We see him contending with those in, in Corinth for being reckless with the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we have a man here in the Apostle Paul who no doubt is very passionate about the doctrine of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I would submit to you this morning that he is equally passionate about one other thing. He is equally passionate 
about those who have come alongside him, those who have given to him, those who have sacrificed with him and for him, those fellow image bearers that go out to proclaim the gospel. And he comes to this time in this letter to those in Philippi and makes this statement in verse number five. If I could, I'll begin reading in verse number four once again. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. And I get a glimpse of this joyful moment in the Apostle Paul's heart, how he's rejoicing. He's remembering those in Philippi. He remembers how much he loves them. He remembers how much they're committed to the gospel as well. And then he makes that statement in the very next verse, for your fellowship in the gospel from this, from the first day until now. And I'm brought into the company of the Apostle Paul, and I'm learning a little bit about this man. This man was not all about himself. This man was about Jesus. This man was not interested in propagating his own name. He was far more interested in coming around those that were like-minded, had the same cause, the same Christ, the same goal, the same great commission, the same sacrifice, the same heart for the world. And he realized that he was at home with them. He was able to fellowship with them. He was able to serve with them. That word fellowship comes and is translated from a Greek word, koinonia. The word koinonia literally means partnership. The Apostle Paul viewed the church at Philippi as a partner. Not a partner whose work was least nor a partner whose work was greater. Not a partner who had to carry more of the workload, nor did he expect them to carry less of the workload. But instead, that word koinonia, meaning partnership, also literally could be translated participation. In other words, he looked at those in Philippi and he saw those that were participating in the same eternal calling that the Apostle Paul was. Yes, we talk about the Apostle Paul's persecution, but those at Philippi were persecuted as well. We talk about the Apostle Paul's boldness and the audacity that he had to step in among the heathen and proclaim Christ, but so did those at Philippi. Oh, we look and we see that the Apostle Paul gave of himself and of his substance to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the very last chapter of Philippi, here's what he says about this church here. He says, for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once again unto my necessity. And he sees a church here in Philippi that was running with him. In the military, we used to use this term that will run patch to patch. On your sleeve is 
your unit patch, identifying that, that group, that, that unit, that detachment that you are most committed to the fulfillment of their mission. And to run patch to patch meant I'm running right there with you. I'm not going to be one step behind nor one step ahead, but we are in this together. And the Apostle Paul looked across the landscape of his life and he noticed a church in Philippi that was running patch to patch with him. That, was, that had committed themselves to the gospel. And church, I stand up here today and I'm reminded that, the, that we are together in this with one another. We had a wonderful group of missionaries in uh, this, past, uh, uh, this past week. On Sunday, we greeted Brother Al Stone from Canada, Brother Makumbu Dembara from India, and Patrick Oduru from Ghana. Ghana. On Monday, R.G. Smith came in and, and presented a massive work that's taking place in Kenya with hundreds of missionaries there, many of which we will never know their names. And as the Lord stirred our hearts, we received much, just a little bit less than 9000 over $8,000 to send it to the work of the gospel there, just as the church in Philippi sent to the work of the Apostle Paul. On Tuesday, we received Patrick from Haiti, a man who has planted over 20 churches in Haiti and in the Dominican Republic. And Ezra from Kenya got up here and, and explained his burden for his nation, and we took them on for support. On Wednesday, there's a very special man who stepped behind this pulpit, who has a unique calling on his life, and we were able to receive a little more than $4,800 to go towards his effort to reach his native people. That's almost $13,000 just given last week to those two projects. The car is even saying amen. <laughs> there is something special about gospel koinonia, gospel partnership, gospel fellowship. And I know that sometimes all we see is that plate that comes by and that announcement about a, a track attack, which we took part in yesterday and had over 50 people, kids and adults, go out into this community with the message of the gospel on little paper tracks that others might receive the good news of Jesus Christ. What do you call that? We're not out here alone. Look around. We have this glorious thing called gospel fellowship. Something that not every believer can celebrate and, and reap the benefits of. For there are many missionaries who come by our way who are in dark, cold, and lonely fields. But as we gather here, we partner with them and experience the same thing that the Apostle Paul declares with the church of Philippi. To have fellowship in the gospel. Oh, I love it. I love it because there's another partner in this fellowship in the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 9 says this. It says, for we are laborers together with God. Oh, it's incredible. That when we commit ourselves to the gospel, not only is God laboring through us, but he is laboring with us. And there's a few things that I want to point out from Philippians 1 that we need to be reminded of and be celebrating 
as we partner together in this gospel fellowship. The first thing that I notice is that gospel fellowship, it gives confidence. We live in a world that is struggling to find any sort of confidence. And the bit of confidence they do find is really not confidence, it's pride. It's not confidence, it's arrogance. The difference between confidence and pride or arrogance is that confidence has substance that is greater than our own abilities. Confidence is not found from within, but confidence is discovered when we look upward. Oh yes, pride will look into that mirror and say, yes, I can. But confidence will look into the glories of heaven and says, yes, he will. Oh, arrogance will look inside and say, I am able. And confidence will look into the splendor of God's ability and say, he cannot fail. And when we come to the greatness of gospel fellowship, we come to a place where we can have confidence in him. Look at what the Bible tells us in verse number six. It says that we being confident, confident of what? Confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day, until the day of Jesus Christ. I notice that if we, when we gather for this gospel fellowship, that it should give us confidence. For we are not just fellowshipping and gathering with one another, but when we strike out for the purpose of the gospel, to win souls to Christ, to go into the highways and hedges and compel the, the lost to come in and to see the glory of God, Oh, we ought to feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof because it's he that will perform it. It's he that will do it. It is he that will accomplish his task and his purpose. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And I have said and will say a thousand times over that God's work done God's way can not fail. And we, when we fellowship with God concerning the gospel, when we partner with the Holy Spirit of God to reach others for Christ, it is absolutely invincible. Yes, some may reject, some may turn aside, but I am telling you that the gospel is still the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth. So let's continue on with great confidence in this gospel fellowship. And when we gather together for this fall festival, let's be reminded that the foundation of our gathering, the thread that runs through all of us and connects us all together is this glorious thing called the gospel. Oh, we can have confidence in him. God help us if we are not a confident church. A confident church that's willing to step out by faith as the Spirit leads and gives opportunity to run buses and to support missionaries and to, to go on soul winning and to reach out and to, to see the work of God done. You see, the gospel fellowship, the gospel fellowship gives confidence. 
the next thing that I notice in this is, is that not only does the gospel fellowship give confidence, but it guarantees companionship. It guarantees companionship. I want you to look at verse number 7 for just a moment if you would. The Apostle Paul writes to this church and he says, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And then look at this last phrase. Ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't feel alone. Paul didn't feel like he was on this mission, like this lone survivor. No, he felt that they were with him in his bonds, in the defense, in the confirmation of the gospel. And you don't have to feel alone either. For when we come in gospel fellowship, it guarantees companionship. Oh, it guarantees it, for we are partakers together in grace. We are working together toward the same goal, suffering the same afflictions, encouraging one another in the same grace that has been given to us all. Oh, during this morning Sunday school hour, we spent time in our Sunday school class talking about kindness how we are to minister grace to the hearers through not corrupt communication, but edifying one another. And that should define a gospel-focused church. And I'll tell you the truth, that the further a church removes its eyes from the gospel, the more contentious and divisive the place will become. I am so glad that we do not have a contentious or divisive church. Now every now and then we'll have a little disagreement and that's just human nature. But it does not define us. We come together under the unity of sound doctrine and under the mission of the gospel. And so long as we keep our feet on sound doctrine and keep our eyes on the gospel, there is a unifying force in that that cannot be uh, replaced or supplanted by any other unity. College football does not unify us. Hey, man! <laughs> Our state of origin is not what unifies us says the West Virginian in the room. Our branch of service, go army, does not unify us. Our gender is not what unifies us, boys and girls. But I'll tell you what does. 
It's the doctrine of the Bible and the mission of the gospel. The doctrine of the Bible and the mission of the gospel. The doctrine of the Bible and the mission of the gospel. It's not our personalities. It's not where we came from. It's where we're going that unites us together. And we celebrate the fact that patch to patch, arm in arm, we are here for the defense and the confirmation of the the gospel and gospel fellowship should guarantee companionship. You feel alone? Get involved in the gospel. And so, Pastor Jared, I just feel so disconnected in the church. Well, what, what gospel ministry of the church are you connected with? Are you serving in Sunday school? Are you, I'll tell you, you want to get real connected? Come out to Saturday Soul Winning. There's a small few of us, and we're a happy, merry band. And I love you, Brother John Vincent, because we are united in that gospel effort. I love you, Brother Jeff Barn. We are united in that gospel effort. I don't know where Nehemiah Davis is here this morning, but we're united in that gospel effort. And I'm telling you, if you're wondering, well, I just can't get connected. The church is growing, and I can't seem to find some people to hang out with. Hey, get involved in a gospel effort and you will find that guarantee of companionship as we run for his glory together. Now I was planning on taking a whole bunch of time over in the book of Corinthians and just wearing out all you contentious people in here. So we're not going to do all that, but could I just let the Holy Spirit do it and show you for a moment? As long as we keep our eyes on the gospel and our feet on sound doctrine, we should always be united in the work. And see, that was the problem with those in Corinth. It's the most carnal church in the New Testament, except perhaps the church of Laodicea mentioned in the book of Revelation. And here is what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Once again, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a church who has received the gospel. They have received their commission to go into all the world and to preach that gospel. And their feet may be on sound doctrine, but they're certainly not practicing it. And their eyes are so far removed from their eternal mission. And look at what he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 3. He says, for ye are yet carnal. Then I focus on the gospel. They're driven by their own desires. I'm telling you, when you get your, your focus on Jesus, it feels a little foolish to be focused on your own desires. When a man is being crucified for you in your place to provide an atonement for your sin, it's a rather humbling thing, isn't it? For ye are yet carnal, for, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? 
And here is their problem. Verse number four. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Look at what he says in verse number six. I have planted. In other words, yes, I've done some gospel work. And Apollos has watered. He's done some gospel work. But where should our eyes be? But God gave the increase. Verse number seven. So then neither is he that planted anything and neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Oh, and whenever we get our eyes off the work of the gospel and our eyes on the men or the women or the people that God is using or, or God help us. I know I'm in Knoxville, a place where we got churches on every corner and we get our eyes on, on these other churches instead of our eyes on the gospel. There's going to come division and strife. It's the same thing that was happening here. What was the result? Envy, strife, divisions. They're walking as men. And then here's what he says is the solution to this. When contention and division began to grow among them, Here's what he says is the solution. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Look with me at verse number 5. He says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed even as the Lord gave to every man? And here's what he was doing. He was reminding them. They might have division among themselves about Paul and Apollos, but there was no division between Paul and Apollos themselves. Why? Why was there no division between these two men, even though all their little followers were, were divisive? It was because Paul and Apollos, they had the same goal. They had the same goal. One was doing the watering, another was doing the planting, but they were both in a gospel-centered fellowship. They were working together, a koinonia, a partnership, a participation in the gospel. They had the same goal. Here's what else they had the same. Not just the same goal, they had the same God. Verse number six. I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. They had the same goal. They had the same God and they had the same labor. Look at verse number nine. For we are laborers. Everybody say it with me together. Together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You know, what help is a structure that was built by God for the purpose of God? If there's other people that aren't even a part of that structure, it says you're the building of God. You're the building of God. Whenever I think about building, I've noticed these apartment complexes going on right across from Home Depot. You know what I see whenever I see that? Opportunity. Opportunity. Every time someone moves in and, and a house sells and someone moves into an area within reach of this church, I think, oh, that's opportunity. And not just opportunity, but that's God giving us a responsibility to reach those people. I can't wait till the first ones move in. Mark it down, Brother Jeff, we're going. And here we have... Paul and Apollos with the same goal, the same God, the same labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. 
I see these construction projects and I always see materials that are stacked up and laid off to the side. Those apartments down there, they will not be complete until all the materials that are laid off to the side are then put in their place and used for their intended purpose. Several months ago, they had a stack of trusses up there, probably 12 feet tall. Just stacked. You know where those trusses are right now? They're on top of those apartment buildings. I saw the shingle delivery pull in there. A truckload, trailer truckload full of, full of shingles. You know where those shingles are now? They're not off to the side. They're, they're on the roof because that's where they were intended to be. All for the same building and for the same goal. Now, I know that trusses and shingles don't have personalities, but let's just imagine that they did because Baptists sure do. And we are God's building, right? Could you imagine how silly it would be for the, for the trusses to look over those shingles and be like, you're ugly. The shingles look over and be like, well, you're fat. We don't like you. You're not us. We, we don't like you. It's almost silly to think about. Because without those trusses, the shingles can't go in their place. Without those shingles, those trusses aren't going to last six months. Because that's not treated wood. It's going to fall prey to the rain and the storms that fall down on it. That wood's going to rot. And what does Paul say? He says, we're God's building. We're God's building. And that building should guarantee companionship because if the Lord has called us to come together, He has called us to serve together, to work together, to edify one another, to strengthen one another. And Paul tells them, he says, look, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And gospel fellowship, it should guarantee companionship. It should give confidence because this is God's work. They're of the same goal, the same God, the same labor, and I love this, and the same grace, verse number 10 of of 1 Corinthians 3, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, another man buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. And I love this. He accepts the fact that, look, nobody's perfect. There's going to be a knot or two in the trusses, and believe me, that will happen. But we are all doing this by God's grace. No one in here is perfect except me. It's all by God's grace. It's all by God's grace. We're not a very good preacher. I know. That's why I need his grace to mix up the words between here and your heart. It's all by God's grace. And what does God's grace do? Having a clear view of God's grace draws our eyes right back to the gospel. Gospel fellowship. Gospel fellowship. The last thing that I I notice in our passage there in Philippians, we'll turn back to Philippians 1. The last thing I notice is 
is that gospel fellowship glorifies God. It glorifies the one who came to give his life a ransom for us. It glorifies Christ. I look at how Paul describes the cord that connects him to those at Philippi. And he says in verse number, verse number 8, he says, For God is my record. That's, that's like saying, God is my witness. Like I'm telling you the truth, and I'm telling you the truth in the presence of of God. For God is my record how greatly I longed after you all. And then he makes this really odd almost statement in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes in scripture whenever you see that word Bowels. It can be a little awkward for us because whenever we think of bowels, we are thinking of something very different. <laughs> Someone passed the Pepto-Bismol. But here, and, and throughout Scripture, oftentimes whenever, whenever the word bowels is used, it's talking about the feeling you get in, you, in your heart when you are just, just so compelled, so in love. You know, when you're first in, in love with your husband, with your wife, and you teenagers, you, you know, and you glance across the room and there she is. Woo. You get a little queasy in your bowels. It's a deep feeling. Deep feeling, not just a fluttering, but a moving Something unmistakable that makes your palms sweaty and your skin gets clammy and your heart rate begins to pound and your mouth gets all cottony and dry and you can't you know, hardly talk and you say silly things, you know, big time. You got you got to say stuff to like, and, and you 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 make yourself a, a fool and you're trying to be so cool and you can't be cool. Why? Because on the outside, you're trying to do this. No, on the inside, you're like, <laughs> at least that's what it's like for me. But notice what he says. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels, not in, in his bowels, not in those deep feelings of himself, but in the deep feelings of Jesus Christ. I think it's so pleasing to the Lord when he sees that his brethren are walking in unity. Amen. <laughs> that was annoying when I was praying at first, but now I kind of like it. <laughs> so well timed. It glorifies Christ. 
That's enough now. It glorifies Christ. It glorifies Christ. It glorifies Christ. When we are so contentious and divisive and and angry and uh, against one another, I don't think the Lord is glorified in that. I think it grieves the heart of the Lord. And again, please understand, I am not talking about uh, compromising doctrine or truth or anything like that. I am talking about gospel-centered fellowship, partnering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Seeing a missionary come in here and saying, hey, we'll take you on for support. We'll help you and encourage us as well as we come together for for the cause of the bus ministry, as we bring others in from the community that they might hear the gospel and be safe, or as we rejoice over a baptism or a life changed or a, a new creature that's been just born into the kingdom of God. Make no mistake, that is our goal. It's the gospel. Yes, we are the pillar and ground of the truth, but what is the foundation of that? It is Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why are we to gather here in this room this morning? It's for the gospel. Why are we going to leave these doors today? It's for the gospel. Why is every trip a mission trip? Because the gospel commands that it should be. And when we gather together, yes, we might have many differences. There might be red and yellow, black and white, but I remind you they're all precious in his sight. And it is the gospel that unites us together. And I am so stirred about the opportunity we have right in front of us for the gospel. And it's my heart's desire to encourage you not just to take advantage of the fellowship to encourage you to be a participant together, which is really what that word means, a participant together for the gospel.